This is Square Pizza, cooked up by Shermco. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Square Pizza podcast, a podcast about making the good things about school even better. And so today's episode, we had the great privilege of interviewing Sarah Carpenter and John Little from Memphis Lift. Um, And so if you don't know, we're going to put more information in the show notes about Memphis Lift, but they are essentially a parent-run advocacy organization uh, based in Memphis, focused on ensuring um, that they are supporting all families to understand their options of attending high-quality public schools. And so we'll talk in the interview more um, from a Sarah Carpenter who is from Memphis and who has been leading this work for a long time now. And then kind of her counterpart, John Little. Um, John helped Memphis Lift get off the ground and is now uh, moving to other cities and helping other families and other parents based in those cities run organizations similar to Memphis Lift. So we think it's just really cool so often um, these things are not taking place and for John and Sarah to be working to bring the power back to the families and back to the communities um, in which power is often ripped away from them. Uh, we think Memphis Lift is an example of some of some really exciting work that should and is continuing across the country. Uh, but really was a really fun interview focused on everything from, you know, the best barbecue place in Memphis to eat. Um, they've been talking to a number of Democratic candidates. Um, and so we get some insight about what it's like to meet and talk to a Democratic candidate about public education. Um, and then really just talking about the powerful parent network that are building in Memphis across the country and what change can really look like when parents leading a revolution for other parents to ensure kids have access to high quality schools. Uh, so we're really excited about this one. We think it was fun. We think it was really insightful. Um, thanks again for checking it out and let us know what you think at the end. And I'm going to say hi. To Kelsey. Morning, Kelsey. Good morning, Greg. How are you? Um, I'm pretty good this morning. What'd you have for breakfast? Reoccurring question. I just had coffee. Coffee. Yeah, that's, that's all I could handle this morning <laughs> with a migraine. Hopefully, hopefully we're gonna get nurse Kelsey back to health through the podcast. Yeah. Um, all right. Good morning, folks. So we're recording uh, this on a Thursday morning. We have some really cool guests um, coming all the way from Memphis, Tennessee, and also Nashville, Tennessee. So we got the whole state um, of Tennessee covered. So let's quickly bring in and introduce uh, Miss Sarah Carpenter and Mr. John Little. Miss Sarah, how you doing this morning? Doing well. Thank you. Of course, of course. John, what's the word? Man, it is. I'm live and, and well and just getting through the storm. Yeah. Fired up and ready to go? All day. That's all we can be to get through this storm. Yeah. So so for context, for our, our listeners, uh, John Lil and I have a little bit of, of work experience. So we're going to try to limit the inside jokes uh, today. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I've had the privilege of, of knowing John for almost, John, 10 years now. Um, and so always a blessing to know you for every one of those years, but appreciate you also coming on the podcast today. Same here, man. I take, I took your term win the day. (laughs) So I use it everywhere I go now. That's all we can do. And Greg told me some stories about, um, your time in Nashville together. And John, I just want to ask you what it was like to work with Greg back in the day, because I work with him now. So I know now. (laughs) Oh yeah. Great. Greg was great. He was the enforcer. I mean, he was the smart scientist um, with muscles. Um, and so some of the some of the best stories, and we can talk about it later, but being um, walking one of the housing projects that had a really bad school and talking to parents and kids, 
and some of the residents straight running up on Greg and like telling him he needs to leave. And Greg was like, Oh yeah, you're playing like, no, like <laughs> you need to leave. And Greg's like, Oh, like they're serious. Like let's get out of here. Um, and then the academic story, what parents used to love, I told them about a science project that Greg did with the almonds and making almonds into candles with the mozzarella cheese sticks we had. And kids <laughs> just loved it. Um, and, and the parents that I was recruiting loved it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a real candle, John. It was a real candle. Give it away, my man. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, John, and I have some. Well, that was a have, good one. Have some stories, both uh, in communities with families, but I could play good cop, bad cop because as the dean of students, uh, you know, if yep. I had to lay it down, but John then had to help us deliver the message at home too. Um, so John and I have mm-hmm. some stories for days about. Uh, about the pros and cons of dean of students work and and hardcore discipline yeah. in that way um all right and miss sarah we want to start with a little bit of fun so i actually get a chance to be in memphis for the first time in my life uh in in about a week or so and so perhaps outside of meeting you in person the most important question uh i think is where do you suggest i eat when i'm in memphis i suggest a and r barbecue to everybody john know that a and r is just a bit we got Cozy Corner also who have great barbecue, but okay. they got great ribs for me. But um, A and I got the best pork, beef, and pork barbecue for me. So that's I have to, if I want beef, I go to Cozy Corner. If I want pulled pork, I go way out to A and R. John, barbecue. you co-signed that, I imagine. Oh yeah, Cozy Corner. Those ribs are, are good in AR. I never had it until I was with the Memphis Lift and realized that there was really yeah. good barbecue. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm gonna check it out and maybe uh, send you a note, Miss Sarah, when I get there. We get there on the 17th of March. The 17th. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, we need to hook up and go to lunch or Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah, we'd love yeah. to. It'd be our our guest. That's on a Tuesday. Yeah, we'll be there until Thursday night, so we might have a little bit of time. Yeah, cool. Um, perfect. And John, I know you know we want to pay respect to the things happening in Nashville with the you know we're recording this uh, as recently as some of the tornadoes came through. Uh, you know, you are uh, from yeah. you're from Nashville, and I obviously got to spend some time there. But um, how how is the community doing? How's our big how are things going in Nashville right now after the storms? I'll tell you, I'm an optimist, but working the community yesterday in North Nashville with some of our hardest hit areas that mm-hmm. were not getting coverage mm-hmm. and walking around like roofs were blown off. Um, the only thing that was left in one house was the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And the first two days, um, Tuesday and Wednesday were fine because the weather was good in both um, morning, afternoon and evening. But today it, it's really chilly. Um, and this is where the real struggle comes in because a lot of these people own their homes. They had had them for generations and they likely didn't have home insurance. So this is where it gets real. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I know it's tough and nobody can really do anything now besides respond, at least appears from afar from friends on social media and the news. It seems like the community is really showing out to try to support, um, as many residents as possible. Um, is that true? What you're seeing right now? I don't, yeah, I don't get emotional, but yesterday going through those communities in North Nashville um, and West Nashville, what I've seen was just an army of people here in Nashville, but all across the country. I mean, you just see men and women bringing their chainsaws in their work boots. Mm. And I mean, it was, it was, it was devastating, but I think the happiness in the residents saw that people cared enough about them to give up their whole week 
to help them just yeah. get out of this devastation. Well, our, our hearts and thoughts are with you guys. Um, I know the committee will will pull through, perhaps maybe transition to a little bit of, of a brighter note. John, tell us about little John, your son. How's he doing? Man, I'll tell you, little John is becoming <laughs> a, a teenager. He's in the double digits. He you know, I was thinking about that. 11. Yeah, with, so, I know. Sorry to cut you off, but Kelsey asked me how old he was. I was like, well, right. I, I met him in 2011. I think he was like three or four. And yeah. Like, Shit, it's been nine years. Yeah. So he's like a grown man by this point. Yeah. He grew up in our, in our schools, um, and so he was the kid who just loved to be joyful, wanted to be so helpful. Still the same way, but I think this teenage puberty stuff is kicking in. He wants yeah. to be cool, and so we are we are having a balancing act with trying to keep him as engaged as he's been for elementary um, to keep him more engaged in middle school. So this is a journey. I mean, you should have that down with all the time you spent in middle schools uh, dealing with puberty and kids acting cool. You should know exactly what to do, right? Man, I am trying to stay being the cool dad, but the cool dad would have been like it is a balance. Yeah. Between cool dad and director of family engagement, you're going to have to wear all those hats again. Yeah, and I think he's seen that and he respects that too, but yeah, he's like, I'm I'm John Little the Fourth, like... I already know the the tactics that you're coming to me with, so I'm ready. <laughs> it's in my blood. I know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of want to zoom out a bit and talk big picture stuff now. Um, so you guys are doing some awesome work on the national level. Um, sorry, I'm going to get close to the microphone so you can actually hear me. Um, to, uh, doing some yeah. awesome work on the national level um, with the powerful parent network uh, traveling all over the country advocating and meeting with candidates. So can you tell us a little bit about what you've been doing there? There, you want to start off? I guess it's trying to get meetings with these candidates and and let them know where we come from and what we deal with on a daily basis. Because I'm in North Memphis. Miss Sarah, you broke up just a little bit that last, will you finish that last sentence, please? You're just breaking up. Up to get to meet a potential president. I mean, there's never even I never even met a potential candidate. Uh, and, and traveling with the people that we travel with, we like family, man. And I mean, mm-hmm. it was so fun. The John had got off the bus, and we was all going our separate ways, and everybody on the bus was like booing and crying. That was so fun. It reminded me of like when my friends moved out the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Growing and- up, my friends moved out the neighborhood, and I just said, God, this is, yeah, so that's. We like family, you know, and when we departed, that was, like, sad for us. Yep. And, I mean, this can go was, so many. Yeah, go ahead, John. Go ahead. Yeah, just to add on what Sarah said, this yeah. has been a journey. You know, our first trip in in Atlanta, we were just, we, we wanted to be heard. Elizabeth Warren was in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. It was talking about representing for black women. And 80% of our group, really 90% of our group, um, were black women at the time. And so we, we wanted to be heard and uh, approach the way it happened. You know, it, it, it was challenging, but I think what happened for the people who were in the network with us in the lamp, they realized the power you have when you use your voice. And by using their voice the right way, they came face to face with a, with a presidential candidate who was now ready to listen to their issues. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you've had, I think, from tracking you guys on social media and a few other things, it looks like, uh, you know, Mayor Buttigieg, Buttigieg, I believe if I said that right, uh, maybe Buttigieg. Buttigieg, thank you, Kelsey, um, Warren, 
maybe Biden. So you looks like you've covered and and done a good job brokering a lot of conversations Sanders. with with most of these candidates. Is that true? We did. It, it was it was slow and steady work, and and Sarah can speak to that on the last trip yeah. that we just got back from. I mean, we had no idea how it was going to turn out. Um, right. We were just dedicated. What do you think, Sarah? I, I agree. I totally agree. We we didn't know how it was going to turn out, you mm-hmm. know, because these people busy, but we busy too. So, I mean, yep. they they met with us. All of them met with us. And I can say we met with all those people, even Bernie Sanders. We met with him also, you know. So, I mean, yeah, I think it was slow and not knowing how it going to turn out. And we was like, I was praying, John, half the time. Mm-hmm. Sally friend that, that these people meet with us because sometimes when people get a certain level in life, they don't want to meet with the people that, but I let them know we vote too. So, I mean, That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. John, y'all, I think we all let them know we voted because, I mean, we had those parents and those parents, our parents can speak for themselves too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and Miss Sarah, uh, of all the candidates you've talked about or that you've been able to meet with, you know, which one... Th- in your opinion, feels like they understand the core issues of education ed reform the most, if any? I can really say that all of them listen. I can just say that all of them listen to our issues. Okay. So that's all I can say. They listen. And that was huge huge for us, for them to even just stand there and listen. Right. And we gave it to them. Mm -hmm. Did they, so they listen, but did they, they, go ahead, John, go ahead. Yeah, just to add on, like, this is just what we realize. This work is slow and steady. And so I think what happened the first time we show force in numbers, you know, we had close to 200 parents in Atlanta who were educated about the issues. Once we went to Iowa. This is is 200 families from across the country, right, John? From across the country. I mean, you know, you had Oakland, you had San Antonio, St. Louis, of course, Memphis and Nashville. We had Atlanta, we had New Jersey, um, we had Rhode New York, Island. and Rhode Island, yeah. Mm-hmm. And sorry, I keep going, then you said you were going into Iowa, what happened there? Yeah. yeah, and so with that, we just realized that, you know, we show presidential candidates that we could have the numbers, and mm-hmm. so what we really wanted to do is to go a lot smaller and have just a dedicated team of people, of parents, who were really really ready to communicate this message and be a little bit more under the radar and so we could get access because this work is just slow and steady. Right. Yeah. And Miss Sarah, what do you think is the most important thing you communicated to these candidates or at least hopefully the most important thing that they heard from you that they're going to take back with them? About our children, you know, mm-hmm. we care about our children and so many times in the black community, people seem to think that people don't care about their children. I haven't met a parent yet and I've been working with parents for over 25 years and I haven't met a parent yet that don't want what's best for their child. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and everywhere we go and John can tell you, we, we talk to parents, you know, we talk to parents and everybody wants the best education for their child. Yep. Everybody. I don't care where they come from or what they zip code is. They want what's best for their kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, from from my teach, teaching experience in Charlotte, and then working with John in Nashville, and then now I think obviously that's a hundred percent correct. And even some of the work we're currently doing with families, 
also correct. They simply just want access and understanding of how to get resources or to feel supported and engaged from the mm-hmm. school level or beyond the school level, uh, mm-hmm. just to make sure they can support their scholars mm-hmm. and their whole family um, in, in, in the way that they can best. I think that's what's so incredible, but also, you know, unfortunate about candidates or perhaps others, sometimes they forget to talk to the people they say they're seeking to serve. Um, and what I love about the work you guys mm-hmm. are doing is, is bringing that message and bringing it in in a, a loud and um, disruptive way, which needs to be in order to make sure they hear um, the needs of the communities. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll tell you one thing that has made Sarah and the rest of the network great is we try to stay out of like circles. You know, it's a reform yeah. circle. It's yep. a union circle. And for us, when you listen to Sarah, when she talks to Bernie, you know, they need to talk to the people. You know, it, it's your disconnect. But I'll tell you, though, his heart was in the right place. Like, I think he so. says, yeah, he just doesn't, he just doesn't understand because sometimes when you're out of it for so long, you forget what it's like to fight for your kid and fight for something that you believe in. Just defaulted mm-hmm. to something that the PTO, like every, everybody thinks mm-hmm. is the answer. Yeah. I th- and I think this is really critical because as uh, Miss Sarah, I've been following this on, on Twitter, which I know you've been tweeting a lot about this, which is great, but very nuanced discussion about why just like resorting to the PTO is not the answer is not going to completely revolutionize the school. So I think maybe we all understand that perhaps, but can you guys speak to like, why that is disrespectful and perhaps not the right way to go about transforming a school just by going directly to a PTO or a PTA? The PTA, PTO do not make the policies. They do not run the school. And I find in in my work inside of a school, I find that if you join the PTA, you're going to end up saying just what those people want you to say in them schools and you can't speak Mm -hmm. the truth. Mm -hmm. I haven't worked in a school in it, it was hard to like, like do the work that we do and, and work in that school. You cannot work in a school and do this work because you're not gonna be authentic about it. You you can't really be authentic about it because that's your job, and most people do what it takes to save their job. Mm-hmm. But in that school, when I was working in that school, I I, I spoke my truth mm-hmm. and, and wasn't worried about if I was gonna lose my job or not. Because these kids was my, my concern. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I think that's great. And can you also speak to, I think, the nuance, too, of not just being grouped with, with one circle, right? So John spoke to a little bit, too. But, like, why are you being intentional about not just staying close to the Ed Reform circle or not just staying close to the union circle or not just staying close to another circle? Why is that intentional to you guys? For me, John, I ain't speaking for John. I'm speaking for myself. For me, it's like, where I come from, people trust me. And so if if a charter school mess up, and we got to get them too. If mm-hmm. a district school mess up, we got to get them too. Traditional school, I would say. When I say a district, I have time people didn't understand that word. Sure. A traditional school, when they mess up, we get them. So, I mean, and when people see you out there, and and my, my trust in, in this is period, uh, People trust me, and I don't want to lose their trust because my name is all I get. That's right. John, same for you? Yeah. Yeah, same for me. I just think Sarah says it best. She said we don't support district schools or traditional public schools. We don't support public charter schools. Like, we support good schools Mm -hmm. that are working for kids. Yeah, I think it's And a lot of organizations – go ahead. 
No, no, I was just going to 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 build off that, John. I, I think it's so, mm-hmm. so critical, right? The nuance of it. And, and sometimes, whether it's the media or other people will try to pit certain people against each other, right? About charters or districts or yep. good schools versus bad schools. And I think the, the people I respect the most, like you guys and other leaders in the space, uh, they don't really care about labels. They just care about good opportunities and options for kids, especially kids that have mm-hmm. been denied access to good and high quality options. Right. So like, right. Let's get rid of the right. labels and let's just figure out what the hell works for kids and all families across the country. And let's just do that. Mm-hmm. And that's what simple as that. I mean, yeah, it's just that simple. I mean, I just can't get caught up. Uh, we, 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 we wiggled our way out of there. We told our own story. We, we, we told our story when people said we were charter advocates. Now they know we advocate for great food mm-hmm. everywhere we go and it's needed everywhere we go. And it, and it's, mm-hmm. and because it's so intentional, it's, it puts you guys in such a strong position because then people can't pinpoint you on, on one thing or pigeonhole you on one thing because nobody can really publicly deny how important access to good schools are for everybody. And so it'd be easy to write you off if you were just district or easy to write you off if you were just charter. But since you guys are mm-hmm. so genuine and care about all kids, they have to listen to you no matter what. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I got a theory about that. I mean, when you we all remember Martin Luther King Jr. and his impact that he had on America. I mean, it gives me the chills mm-hmm. just thinking about it. But I don't think he was dangerous until he started talking about the poor people's campaign and what he did, which was magical. He took himself out of the black empowerment box to get civil rights for black people. It's poor white people all across America mm-hmm. who have bad schools who are segregated just as much as we are. And so what he was trying to do is bring people together. And that's what makes it dangerous because he was getting outside of a box. That's right. Yeah, I think that's that's a perfect analogy, John. Um, and I think at a, at a national level, you know, just speaking to some of, speaking to the candidates and some of the work you guys are doing now, but if we just kind of zoom in on Memphis and Memphis Lift, uh, Miss Sarah, can you talk to us about like why, why Memphis Lift exists and some of the work you guys are doing there? Memphis Lift exists because John and Natasha came to Memphis to get us started. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't believe them because so many people have came to our community. I still stay in the same community that's underserved. And I, I, I just believe in my heart that I'm I'm meant to be there at this time, you know. And they came and they found parents. They didn't go to the PTO or the PTA to look for those parents. They wanted mm-hmm. parents that was unafraid to speak out on the issues. And uh, and then John heard this story a thousand times. Mm-hmm. I didn't believe him. Mm-hmm. Not even John. I didn't even believe John. Why? I didn't Why, Miss Sarah? But because because people have changed our community and capitalized on our community and wasn't and, genuine. And, uh, yeah, or you thought it wasn't genuine. Us, yeah. You know, and when people come to our community and get grant money, all kind of money to do things in our community, and you turn on the news. And they done misappropriated funds and stuff like that, and they gone. Bam! Mm-hmm. I got a good experience in my community. Uh, organization came here, got six million dollars to run this organization, and two, three years later, they was on the news for messing up money. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just used to people saying they're gonna do this and they're gonna do that, and it never happened. And when John and them came to Memphis, they said we gonna turn this over to the to the parents. We believe parents should be leading this movement. And we are, we're a group of people made up of grandparents, parents, mm-hmm. community people, and, and we those we those voices that from all over Memphis, all across the city, out of different neighborhoods. And I mean, John and Natasha gone, and we still going five years later. And so 
I trust them. We like family now, man. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, that's what that's what they they said what they were gonna do, and they did what they said. So that's what trust you have to. I mean, when you come to a place where people nobody never came in our community and said you the community know what's going on in their own community. They should be leading us. Nobody never said that to us. Nobody. Mm-hmm. And I, I talk about the gatekeepers everywhere I go. And the gatekeepers are middle-class black people mm-hmm. that have always spoke for the poor community. And, and nothing against them, but we can speak for ourselves now. Sure. And now we're mm-hmm. educating parents to speak for themselves. And so I, I I don't bite my tongue when I say what I say that we gotta we gotta start talking to our own people. We gotta talk to our own people to fix some things also. And John, will you tell um, the the listening audience why you felt so strongly about giving the work and over to Miss Sarah and the rest of the families rather than like you running it yourself or somebody else? Yeah, I think it started with the work in Nashville. We were working with this program called The Voice, and The Voice had, like, the best intentions. We had on shirts. We we advocated for issues on a statewide level. But the most thing, the worst thing that was wrong was that the agenda was already created. Mm. And what we by believe who? when parents... So created by somebody other than the, the families? The agenda was created by created by somebody other than the families who had their own personal agenda. Mm. And, and it was for best intentions. Sure. But the way I saw those parents advocate to state legislators for issues that they believed in, I realized it was, it was real important that we always believe that you can teach people anything. You can teach people how to advocate, you can teach people how to lead, but you can't teach heart. Right. Like heart is just something that you get with experience and what you believe in. And when we saw Sarah we realize that, like, that's it. Like, she has the heart. She is unapologetic. She is unafraid, but she's loving. And those are characteristics that people need to really start a movement. Mm-hmm. And so we were honored to find Sarah. I was like, sheesh, like, because I had heard about Sarah Carpenter. But like she said, people really wasn't utilizing her the right way. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And Miss Sarah, can you speak to some of the specific offerings of Memphis Lift programmatic-wise? We run a 10-week fellowship where parents go through our fellowship for 10 weeks and um, they graduate and they go, they learn how to advocate. They learn everything from public speaking to uh, going to school board meetings and all oh God, they, the landscape of education. And man, when you see the look on these parents, say we, we got parents come through this program that don't even know it's a per, per people funding. Mm. They just think mm-hmm. the law that send your kids to school, mm-hmm. and that's what they do. And they, I'm like, people get money to educate your children. They that's don't right. just send kids to school. Yeah. So I mean, and just those little things that parents don't know, and it's because I mean, it was a time I didn't know this. So sure. I mean, and when parents find these things out, they they go out and they be ready to advocate, man. So it's little bitty things that they don't know that they should know. And schools do, especially schools that's not performing well, they don't want parents to know. Yep. That's what we find out. Well, it's not they really easy to find that information, right? Even if you're well-informed to have access to technology and a laptop, like they don't exactly. make it very easy to find it for everybody. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, we got parents coming here every day, all day, with issues at school, and some issues can be fixed. And, and I tell I tell Ms. Renee, Ms. Renee do our short count. That's where parents want to find a great school for their kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I tell Ms. Renee, 
let's try to fix the issue first because I mean we can't keep running. We've been running since slavery. We can't keep running. Mm-hmm. We gotta mm-hmm. stand right there and say, Y'all gonna fix this in our community. We wanna fix and we wanna fix now. So I mean, that's another way of advocating too to let the people let the school know that you commute into our communities every day to render a service and that's what we expect you to do. That's sometimes incredible. Sometimes it work out and sometimes it don't. Right. And so for the so I'm hearing the the ten week uh, fellowship where we're kind of empowering and educating families more um, based upon kind of some of the core issues or challenges happening in Memphis. But the school choice counseling is really interesting too. So are you saying that families can call Memphis Lift or make an appointment, and then your staff will be able to help a particular family understand their choice options based upon their schools or their children's age and what school they want to go to? Yeah. Yes, Miss Renee do all of that, and and I mean, it's incredible. They don't have to make no appointments. People just walk up and right. come in here. I mean, they know they welcome here anytime. That's what's so so unique about our office. We don't we don't want all that uh, nowhere to park, and we right in the community, right. and and people people from all over the city come to this office. And we sit in North Memphis. And hopefully, you'll get to visit us next week when you're here. Yes, ma'am. And um. I mean, yeah, parents just walk in. They they don't have to make no appointment, but some of them do call. We got somebody over special ed, uh, and that's a mess all over the place. Yeah. I mean, Teresina knows fed like the back of her hand. She had an IEP meeting now with a pen. These parents don't know nothing about no IEP. You think they're going to tell them? Yeah, it's a challenge here. That's right. Law? Yeah. Oh, oh, sir. Yep. Yeah, special ed and mental health are, oh, are a few issues. That's right. Yeah, special ed and mental health are uh, two core topics that keep rising to some of the work we're doing in Charlotte as right, well. And it's uh, right, right. it's a big, big factor that needs to really, that needs a lot of support in a lot of schools across the country. Yeah, and our schools got to learn how to deal with our kids that got mental issues, you know, mm-hmm. and, and suffer from trauma. You know, I, I see it firsthand in my own house. We adopted three girls, and mm. these kids, uh, they need help. And so, the school called me after you knew they had these issues. Get what they need in your school. Now they got a way to work with how they. Good. And, you know, that's, and that's the results of the advocacy, right? Yep. Sorry, you're breaking up a little bit there, but I think we got you. Um, and kind of going back, and I think this is this is a little bit of a nuanced question too, uh, but for context, I think like, John, if I'm right at The Voice, um, was never actually formalized into a 501c3, and I think also across the country from what we've seen, you know, there's like parent advocacy groups that pop up, some formalize and file and build a board mm-hmm. and raise money, and others don't, and maybe not good or bad either way, but we'd love to hear like the nuanced decision-making, Miss Sarah or John, that went through about as mm-hmm. Memphis List was getting going, like... No, no, we're filing a 501c3, we're raising money, we're building a board. Like, why did you go in that direction? Yeah, I, I'll say a little bit about it, Chad, and I'll pass it back to you. I think when I try to explain what what happened with the Memphis Lift and why it's so successful, I think about it for the Snoop Dogg album. He said that it has to be told and not told. Mm. And I didn't know we were going to quote Snoop Dogg today. Like they just don't. <laughs> but I like it. I'm, I'm with it. Keep they don't, going. They don't give you this. <laughs> but one thing that we did was there because we knew it was just a belief if you have the heart in this work and you're willing to do whatever you can for kids like you can be you can learn anything and what Miss Sarah did with everything that she has learned and will learn like she gives it back to the parents and so why why the Memphis lift is so dangerous because you have hundreds of parents 
who understand what per people funding is. They understand their rights around said. They know what they know how to identify a handbook and hold the school accountable to the handbook mm-hmm. because that's a policy that they hold themselves to. And that's what makes them so dangerous, just knowing the game. And by knowing the game and giving it to others, they increase their power because people say, I didn't know my child was worth nine thousand or ten thousand dollars every school year and so man i got like a hundred family members in the school system like we have our own power and we can pull our kids and put them in another school and when you start talking like that administrators and school systems start listening all of a sudden they start listening right when kids start leaving right and people have choice yep amen Mm -hmm. exactly and sarah can you share some of your biggest lessons learned from leading memphis lift over these last Years. And, and we made I'm a lot sorry. of I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I made a mistake and hit mute. Oh, no, you're straight. Go ahead. Can you <laughs> just a dramatic pause. It was a dramatic pause. That was all. We're just, some of your biggest lessons learned <laughs> from leading Memphis Lift. Leading the Memphis Lift. Oh, God. That every day I, I thought wake I stumped up and you. you. I, can you hear me now? Yes. Every day I wake up and learn something new. It's so much I didn't know. All the mm. years I was out there screaming and advocating. It's, it's different when you lead an organization. I mean, it was so much I didn't know. I knew how to scream at people, and I knew how to get what, what, what I needed for kids. But I didn't know all the technical stuff. And thank God for John and Natasha and the support team that, 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 that helped us with this stuff. I mean... I barely knew how to turn on the computer. I just got to be honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just got to be honest. But I, I have learned so much that every day I wake up to learn something new. Yeah. And, and and I pay it forward with other parents and everybody in our organization. Because, I mean, none of us knew how to run an organization. But I soon found out if you uh, ask questions and you need help, ask for it. If you need help, mm-hmm. ask for it. And I'm... I blow John's phone up. I blow the socks phone up. I, <laughs> when I need help, I ask for it. That's great. You know? yeah. So, I mean, you can't be afraid to ask for help. And then you go, what you learn, you go let one of your team members know. Mm-hmm. You know, what Terry know about special ed, but that special ed stuff is something serious, though. Terry, um, I don't even want to know all this, but Terry knows it. So, everybody got a seat on the bus. And, and if you're in the right seat, you okay, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, the team, our team is amazing, I think. Our team is amazing. And the people we work with in the network all over the country are amazing people. But people got to learn to trust the process. If you go to a neighborhood and you, you pull somebody that ain't nobody never asked to do anything in their community and you want them to do something, the people that, that the funders, everybody got to trust the process. Mm-hmm. All they gotta do is trust the process. I think that's great. Yeah, and it, nobody else believes. Right. Yeah, and I think the part about the process is is so important, right? Because the the system is working exactly how it's designed designed to work. And then you know, I don't know if yeah. you were saying this, but but I, I'm gonna say it, and you can tell me if I'm crazy or not. But then sometimes in the in the funding community, you know, if they drop a little bit of money here, they want to reverse 400 years of racism or slavery in a, two years with two mm-hmm. million dollars, and that's it. Preach. And then talk about trusting Preach. the process. Like it takes it takes time, right? Like we didn't just get here overnight, and so we can't yeah. just reverse it overnight. Is that is right. that fair? And, and we, yeah, yeah, I think so. But we've been blessed with some really good partners, though. Would you say, John? 
I would, I would, but it comes from the funding understanding comes from what Greg just said. Like, don't try to move, don't try to run a marathon yeah. in five minutes. Like, That's just true. a slow and steady work. And you know what I told? I told somebody, John and Greg and uh, Kelsey, that this didn't happen overnight. That's right. You want us to change the world? And we ain't never had no resources, and we got the resources now to, to make something happen. It don't happen overnight. That's right, one hundred percent. And, and yep. John, you know, we learned this early on that this slow and respectful work is slow and mm-hmm. respectful work. And when you go out in a community where nobody never knocks on your door talking about education, that that come from the community that can been through the same things that you've been through, and, and when you knock on them people, those some doors you can stay there. Five minutes and they get it. And you got a phone mm-hmm. number, you can call them back and they'll show up for everything you call them for. That's but right. someday, some 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 doors you knock on, you may stand there hours. Mm-hmm. Picking, cooking, and everything, man. I'm I'm telling you, that's what we run into. But you, it's slow and respectful work. That's right. And John, can you speak to you know? I, I think from your position and and working so closely with Miss Sarah and launching Memphis Lift, but I think doing this work in other cities across the country as well. Can you speak to just some common trends or challenges you're seeing uh, supporting families to launch organizations similar to Memphis Lift? Yeah, just getting the right support. Like like Sarah said, you know, she maybe didn't even know how to work a computer, but since she had the heart for the work, what we went through is like the training process, like an incubator. To well, now she's like killing the Twitter game. To... She can start running Twitter tutorials about. Now, now she's like she's killing in the... a Google Doc with, a, in a, with us right now. That's right. Yeah. She, <laughs> she well, have me, to start selling lessons. Let me tell y'all about <laughs> digital literacy I training with Sarah Carpenter. It looked too complicated. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I stayed away from Twitter because it looked too complicated. Right. And then mm-hmm. I get upset because I can't say a lot. You you only have so many characters. The characters, yeah. I'm like, God. I mean, I'm with so, it. Keep yeah. going. I love it. But, yeah, I like all your stuff. Keep going. Yeah. But one thing that we saw, we when we started to say, okay, like, can this is this a Sarah Carpenter thing or can this be replicated, you know, in other cities? And so we just looked at characteristics. Like, what makes Sarah Sarah? Mm-hmm. Like, Sarah... It has the heart for the work. She knows when to lead and when to follow. Um, she brings in others. It's never really about Sarah. If you've been around her, she is always, even for the presidential meetings, before she walks in and they say you can have five, she's pulling everybody in because mm-hmm. it's, it's not about her. Like, it's about what we're trying to accomplish. And so what we really look for, and we got it on a one page, like, what is Sarah like? And, like, who has these type of characteristics? Yep. And that's what we look for. And then we go through a process of, like, training them and getting them to understand, like, local, state, and national policies. And what are other cities? You got to be a little bit crazy, too, John. (laughs) Yeah, you got to be a little bit crazy. (laughs) For real. I mean, we all do, right? We all do. That's great. Um, And what what are other cities that maybe, if if you feel comfortable sharing, that people should be on the lookout for um, that's kind of emerging, similar to Memphis Lift? Yeah, I mean, we're working with a good group of families in San Antonio, like our first real majority Latino city. Mm-hmm. Um, we have already been working with uh, Oakland Reach, who have just done great things. And then we're in the Midwest, we're in the South, um, and we're looking um, up north. And what we're just looking for, like, it's when we say slow and steady, like, this is nothing that you can pull off in, like, three months or a year, like mm-hmm. you said, Greg, like, 
this is really finding the right people who need to be at the table, who have already been trying to get at the table, and now we're helping them bring their own table and chairs to the meeting. And so, man, it's 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 a lot of work, but as you've seen, Sarah and and the group that she's leading, like mm-hmm. it's it's paying off. Yep. Well, we're, we're based in Charlotte, um, so we, we're a little biased, but we think here in North Carolina, um, we'd love to have you guys. So let's maybe maybe that's an off-the-record conversation. Said the South. But, uh, yeah, we, we, we got some ideas for Charlotte pretty soon. You know, I was I was going to say something, John. You know, when mm-hmm. we – you everywhere we go, people want to know, how can we get this organization in our state yep. or in our city, you know? and But we – I, I – I'm just peeping game. I'm 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 coming straight from North Memphis. Now I'm peeping game, Greg and Kev, uh, yep. where people want to do it, but they don't want to get out the way. They don't want to relinquish power. Mm. They want to run. It's not going to be real if they run. You cannot work in a school and run this kind of organization. You mm-hmm. cannot come from the top to the bottom and run this kind of organization. It got you got to go in communities and let parents do it. Mm-hmm. And now I say, now I say, I'm not the expert in school, but I'm the expert in the community. That's right. Yeah, I would agree. And what? And do you think so, that? I mean, do you think that's pride, Miss Sarah? Like, what is it? Like, is is like, is it fear? Is it the unknown? Like, where is the gap between people understanding with the power that the families are the one that need to be leading this? I, I, I don't know. I, I guess they don't think parents should could do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, people yep. looked at me funny. I'm just gonna be honest with y'all. Sure. People mm-hmm. looked at me funny because I don't speak like them. I'm I'm who I am. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. and, and that's who I always be. I don't. You can't. You can't knock on on people doors with with the student town. They gonna think you're the insurance man. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know. John knows that's right. You gotta. You gotta. You got to meet them where they are and take them where we're trying to take them. You can't not meet people where they are. And that's, that's what's so unique about parents leading this thing. Nine times I've seen every parent that came through this door, I'm a little older than most of them. There's some grandparents in there that's older than me. But, I mean, I done been through just what they done been through. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can stand and look them in their face without telling them last thing. I've been through that. I, I'm going tell you what I did, you know. And we support yeah. them, yep. you know. So it's, it's easy. It's easier said than done. That's all I'm going to say. It's easier said than done. Yeah, we definitely love to focus on execution and implementation from our own organization, but also mm-hmm. from those across the country as well. I mean, we got ideas for days, right? But the people and the leaders to be able to, mm-hmm. to start doing it and actually get to work, that's, that's where change really happens. So we appreciate you guys for that. Uh, some snaps up here. Yeah, we like some snaps. John, we still do the snaps in, in Charlotte, so we hope y'all are cool with that. Yeah, man. Uh, oh, we still do it too. <laughs> snaps started in Nashville. That's the origin story. Snaps, yep, snaps yep. originated in Nashville. Um, all right, y'all, we're going to transition to some some rapid-fire questions. Let's start with Miss Sarah first, and we can kind of ping-pong um, back and forth. Okay. So, Miss Sarah, if we said, what's the most innovative kind of thing happening in public education right now in Memphis or across the country? What would you say? The most innovative thing. What can I say? Yeah, we're in a mess in Memphis, and, and that's what's not happening is innovation. People, mm. you know, still want to work like it's 1970 and it's 2020. Um, I, I really can't even answer that. Okay. I would say you guys. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm being biased, but I, I think what you okay, all are doing. Okay, I, I 
can say parents rising up. There you I, go. I can say that. Yeah. I can say that. I'll say it too. Yeah. yeah. I, I, that's, that's the most innovative thing for me. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that because we the parents rising up, no, yeah. y'all. I'm saying it because yeah. it's never been done. That's and right. I, I've been out here a long time, y'all. And it's and working. It's never been done. I told you, the gatekeepers locked the gate on us in our own community. So mm-hmm. it's never been done. So, yeah, I would say parents' voice. Yep. It's the most innovative thing going on in Memphis now. And keep going. Good, 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 good. John, you agree? Yeah, I would agree. I think um, that's the most innovative thing to trust parents as partners. Um, and I would say with that, there are people who are still trying to do it the cheap way with a few orgs. But now parents are coming to the table and, and things are getting done. So I agree. All right, John, we're going to stick with you for the second rapid fire question. If you had to give our listeners one actionable thing uh, to do by the end of the week to improve public education, what would it be? Rapid fire. Um, build, build relationships with policymakers. And so build relationships with policymakers and be able to get access to tell them your personal story on why we need change. Very cool. Miss Sarah, one actionable I thing? I will piggyback on what John said. Build relationships. All this work is about is building authentic relationship with everybody, parents, policymakers, legislators, local government, everybody. I, I gotta pick it back. And we didn't talk much about that. And that's the that's the key to this this work is building relationships. It's hard to build relationships when you're trying to disrupt a system that ain't even built for us and it's hard to build relationships in some places, but it's with the parents we build relationships and we we can call 100 parents and they'll show up tonight. If we get on the phone and start calling, they'll show up tonight. And that comes from strong, authentic relationships. Yeah, and I would just say, I mean, the incredible thing, too, is you're able to build relationships with families, with principals, with superintendents, with presidential candidates. And that's a skill set in itself, right, that you guys both know. But the ability to do that is innovative mm-hmm. in itself to build those relationships at all levels. Um, right? You're not just selling coffee. You're not selling balloons to people that want balloons. Um, you're selling change and a right. vision that not, not everybody has at the moment. So I think that piece is incredible. Mm-hmm. All right, and perhaps the most important question of the day, Miss Sarah, we'll start with you. If we asked you what a square pizza remind you of, what would you say? Well, what does square pizza remind me of? Just sitting down having a conversation on the couch. That's what it reminds me of. Mm-hmm. I like just that. talking. I like that. I mean, like food like and community. Just sitting in somebody's house, just talking. That's great. John? Yeah, elementary, middle, and high school, man. Just acting up in the cafeteria, asking people are they going to eat that pizza. Like, that was what a happy day. <laughs> you about to eat that pizza or you want to give it up? Don't forget the school John. <laughs> John, don't forget them school cookies. Come on now. I love them all. Cookies. John, I can see you walking around the cafeteria and say, hey, you going to eat your pizza. You like, want that you pizza? Yeah. Yeah. John did that a few years ago. John didn't do that in school. John did that with right. some of the fifth graders. That was a common practice. Y'all eating that pizza? You can't let it go to waste. Some things never change. <laughs> right. That's John Little. He'll, he'll get this pick up your fries off your plate. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sir, we ain't tell him okay. okay. <laughs> straight. Straight. Um, all right, y'all. Man, we just want to say thanks so much, Miss Sarah and John. Thanks for the leadership, y'all that you have. Thanks for the work in Memphis and thanks for what you're doing across the country. We, we appreciate and value everything you guys do. 
Thank you, Greg, for having Thank us. Thank you, Greg. And Kelsey also. Greg, you got you got to hit me up when you come to Memphis now. I got you. I'm not going to ask for your address on uh, over the podcast, but I'm going to hit you up uh, offline. I will definitely let you know. That's cool. That's cool. Thank you all. Hey guys, this is Greg. Thanks again for checking out the podcast episode. Uh, feel free to show us some love on social media. So Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, at Shermco, S-C-H-E-R-M-C-O, and hashtag SquarePizzaPod. Uh, would love to see your reviews and connect with you there. Um, stay in touch for the next episode.